Hi everyone, welcome to Hubshots episode 202. A very palindromic number, Craig. In this episode, we talk about agile marketing, HubSpot email analysis tools, and task queues and improved user permissions. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm very well, and congratulations. Word of the week for palindromic there. We should add that to the show. Word of the week. Nicely done. Now, Craig, we're past the 200 mark, so in our growth thought of the week, we wanted to ask listeners if you could please go to our HubShots page on LinkedIn and help us share episode 200. Yeah, that's right. I'm keen to get a few more likes and comments on that one, just to get a bit of awareness out. So, if you could help us, listeners, that would be really appreciated. If you enjoy the show, that is. Also, you know YouTube? We're on YouTube, Ian. I think uh, maybe one or two people know that, given the ones and ones of views we get on each show. But Tara mentioned that she actually listens to the show on YouTube and she's saying, oh, maybe in this time when everyone's at home, they've just got YouTube sitting in the background. Maybe it's a good chance to just have Hubshots playing along in the background. That's right. And I see where the best part is she doesn't have to watch two turkeys actually talk about about what they're talking about. All right. (laughs) All right, Craig, on to our growth thought of the week. And we're going to talk about agile marketing on the rise. Now, I'm sure some people that are in our field are hearing this term tossed around. Yeah. I think if you're a developer in a past life, as both uh, you and I are, Ian, yes. Agile Marketing, Scrum, Kanban, Lean, all of that, it's, we just know that kind of stuff and so we take it for granted. So, when we hear anything around Agile, we're like, oh yeah, of course, we've been doing that for years because most developers have. However, in the marketing space, it seems that awareness of this concept is not as well known. And so, I thought it was interesting that Scott Brinker raised this on his Chief Martech blog and he referred to the third annual state of Agile Marketing Report from Agile Sherpas. So, I've downloaded the report. It was quite interesting. In fact, I've downloaded a bunch of their eBooks following on that. Nice um, kind of nurturing process they got in place. The report is good, but I thought it might be good just to quickly recap or give listeners an overview or I'll call it an oversimplification actually of Agile Marketing just so that they are aware what what we're talking about. And this is an oversimplification, uh, but yeah, take it uh, as as it's meant. Some of the key concepts of around Agile are really around using techniques and, I guess, processes to rapidly get marketing pieces in market. So, it's about speed, efficiency, and as we'll look at in the report, it's about quality as well. But there's a few things. They'll have clear cues or lists for tasks, and they're often in a priority order, and everything gets added into that. And then the tasks are broken down into smaller chunks that can be finished quickly. This is this idea of a very quick iteration. Some people might have heard of this minimum viable product. It's often a developer term around getting products to to market quickly. Well, that's coming into play with marketing as well. And you aim to have each person working off a single queue. And so in teamwork, for example, you use teamwork, don't you, Ian? Yes. Have you used the My Work listing? No, I haven't. I mentioned that because according to HubSpot, when I was chatting um, with Elliot 
recently. A shout out to Elliot, by the way. He was saying by far the majority of agencies and marketing teams that he comes in contact with use Teamwork as their project management tool. So we use it as well. So maybe listeners are familiar with that. And so we use the My Work listing because it just gives you your work in a listing. Uh, You can set in priority order. We use due date. Uh, But it's a nice way of having a single queue. And often uh, in agile marketing, they want this to be visualized so you can see it. We actually don't do that. And the number of tasks that you're working on tends to dictate how quickly work is done. So this kind of is obvious in hindsight, but if you've got a few tasks to do, then you'll do them quicker rather than having tons of tasks when you're context switching all the time. And context switching is one of those things that they try to minimize, although we've actually found that most of our context context switching costs, this is where you switch between something and you get distracted, come from things like uh, Slack and email and phone calls. It's not necessarily switching between marketing tasks that's a problem. Correct. But then there's also things like daily catch-ups. I'll refer to that as stand-up. You might have heard that term. And then also uh, review meetings. You might have heard the term retrospectives. So there's some of the terms. Um, I know you use this uh, in your agency as well. How do you how do you find that there's the awareness of this whole agile marketing approach when you're chatting with clients and also your team and other agencies in? Craig, I think for us, we've always been of the understanding that implementing quickly and getting it out and testing and measuring, which is what we talk about a lot, is really key. So, and I think probably in the last six months to a year, we've implemented a, with clients. A lot of them is like, let's do a quick weekly meetings. Let's check the results of the previous week. Let's then see what we can do this week and measure the results. So, we've kind of almost moved to this weekly model where we're testing and iterating on new things to make things better and by not letting things run for too long. Now, there are obviously factors. If you don't have enough traffic and you don't have data, that's not going to work. So, this relies on having a certain amount of traffic and data and analytics that you've got in place to make things happen. So, being really clear and having that one thing has worked really well. And I think this is also on my journey as a business owner is understanding I can't do everything, right? So I've got to focus on a few things. I just need to do that one thing this week that gets me to my goal. And we've essentially just rolled that out across with clients as well and keeping it really simple. That's really been the key. Yeah, I think that's really good. And moving on to the report now, you know, the the main goal, it's interesting what you said there, getting one key thing out and also quality. They, based on the report, and by the way, I will say this, the Agile Sherpas report, it's based on 637 predominantly US marketers who responded. So, it's a good sample. It's not huge though, but the main goal of adopting Agile they had uh, in this kind of order was increasing productivity increasing the speed of delivery and improving quality. And I think that's what you highlighted there. But there's also this ability to easily change priorities and also easily show what is worked on. We find this with clients who are delivering their stuff and they're kind of like, well, where does this all fit in the kind of scheme of things? And that's where a tool like Teamwork and there's many other project management tools really make it 
uh, easy to communicate that kind of thing. So, well worth downloading that report. And I've put a little thing in the show notes where I've made a little comment about the form, one of the form fields they had. We won't chat about it now because we've probably got to move on in terms of time, but a little extra there for listeners if they want to check out the show notes. But well worth downloading the Agile Marketing Report. All right, Craig, on to HubSpot Marketing Feature of the Week. And we're going to look at the Analyze Marketing Email section within HubSpot. Now, you might have seen this. It has a little new beside it when you go in. And I thought, oh, let's go check this out, right? So now analytics has moved around and things have changed. What I liked about this, we do a lot of email marketing for a client and a customer of ours that is in the medical space. Now, it was interesting when we first started doing it and they were using MailChimp to do it before we moved over to HubSpot was, it was a bit erratic, right? So most of the time we find sending emails first thing in the morning works really well. People get up, you know, first thing they do, get their phones, scroll their emails, have a look. Anyway, while we were doing this, I've been testing out different times of delivery uh, within HubSpot. One thing I wanted to highlight with this in, on this page with the analysis is that they have an email performance chart. And what that shows is your campaigns and that were sent out. So the little dots on a graph gives you your average, uh, let's say, delivery or open rate, etc. And it plots the two. So one of the things I, I realized, and this was what we were doing was, I highlighted over each one of these to figure out, okay, well, who did it go to? What was the open rate? What was the click-through rate? And then it also tells you what time it got sent. And I saw all the ones with the higher click and open rate were actually after lunchtime. So now I've just been testing different times during the lunch period. So I started with like around 12 o'clock. And actually what's funny is the one that's done the best is the one that's gone towards the end of lunch, which is probably like at 1 o'clock, 1.20, which you'll see in that report. But that was to a different segment of the database. So it might just work because it happens to be their dealers that uh, were getting that email. But I just thought it was really interesting because I kept getting, asking the questions like, how do we make this uh, open rate better? And I just went, oh, hang on, here's all the data. I can tell you when. And because I actually have it. So I didn't encourage people to have a look at that within HubSpot to get some insight and don't be afraid to test and measure. Two things. One, that's a really useful report. And I like how you can see very quickly on one screen the difference between the different campaigns you've sent. And then two, I think in your case, really good open rate and really high click-through rate as well. It's really useful for people to test and measure. I think that's right. Most people don't even test and measure. Now, you know, I'm, I'm dubious around send times. I think we've, we've covered this before. And I know people do analysis where they're like, oh, they analyze millions and millions and they find that as, you know, the Tuesday afternoon is the best time. I really like how you test and measure because it's very specific. It's about the segmentation. And I think you're really spot on there with working out and testing things within your segment because it'll be different. And that's the problem with large numbers. People take these millions of send reports and they think, oh, well, the average was Thursday afternoon or something. Oh, I've got to do that for all mine. No, you should test a measure. And this makes it really easy to see the results of that. So I quite like that. All right, Craig, on to HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is about sharing task queues. So if people have been using task queues to do their daily calls, follow-ups, to-dos, it's been a great way to make it a sequence of events that takes you to the contact record. And you can go through this in a seamless fashion or you can 
reschedule it. What they've done now, and so one of the things when I started doing this and creating tasks for people, I, went, I wanted to put this in a queue, like this is your call queue for today. So I wanted to stick in a queue and you could never do that. Anyway, it's here. Now you can actually put things when you're creating tasks out of workflows, you can stick them into a queue. And this can even happen in a sequence. You can stick it into a particular queue. So that's one thing. The second thing is you have the ability to share the queue with other people. Now, the caveat to this, and you'll see a screenshot in the notes, is that you've got to have sales professional and sales enterprise to be able to do this. Now, if you click share on that queue and you want to share that queue with somebody else, the people that don't have licenses will be grayed out. Only the people with licenses will be able to see that queue. But you know what? This is a great improvement. Do you remember when they were first rolling out? It wasn't this particular one, but it was when you were adding users to some and you could add anyone. I think there was a bug initially when they were, and you could add everyone. Well, they've locked that down now. <laughs> you must have the pro and enterprise users. Okay, that's really cool. And it's these little touches that kind of make the difference, isn't it? They're just tweaking and improving Incremental things. change, Craig, incremental. Was it called Kaizen change, isn't it? Or Kaizen, the Kaizen principle, 1% every day. Oh, we're all, we're all with the words of the week. That's, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's been a long week, Craig. Anyway, what's a HubSpot Extra of the Week, Craig? Well, there's so many. And I'll just say, watching the HubSpot product updates video on YouTube, we've got a link in the show notes to that. There were so many to cover and we're only going to cover a few. And so we'll cover more like things like property recycle bin, product properties, all of those. We'll cover those in future episodes. Workflows on our service starter. I haven't even checked that out yet. So, in saying that, with the new and updated pricing and inclusions of service starter and sales starter, it now includes basic automation. And remember we talked about why do we have automation in the sales part in a different view versus automation in the workflow? And that is exactly why, because that was a starter feature that was being rolled out and they're obviously testing it to see how this will fit and how it's being used. So definitely if you have bought uh, sales and service data or you've bought the growth suite post, I think, third, maybe late April into early May, you will have those features. So go and check it out. Alrighty. But in terms of things that we are going to cover, I really like this increased security and permissions they've got. So two little things I'm kind of rolling into one under this one heading of security and permissions. So the first is on properties. So, you know, contact properties, company products, etc. You can go into a property now and assign users and teams. I've got a screenshot in the show notes just about, say, a custom property we've added for HubShots. You can assign users and teams, and then I've got a screenshot of how you can assign them. So that's actually quite useful because you might want some people to be the guardians of particular drop-down fields. You know, you kind of let, well, I, I don't want to point the finger too much at salespeople, but, you know, they're kind of like, oh, we want to add another thing to the how did you find out about us drop-down? And before you know it, it becomes this huge, long mess. And like marketers, the marketing themes, who, who added these? Why are they in there? Well, you can lock all that kind of stuff down. So that's a nice little touch. And then the second one is about account access to permissions. So this is on the user's specific permissions. I'll just highlight this under the account setting. You can say whether they can add it, edit users, etc. But one of the key things is there's a thing for editing HubDB tables. And I wanted to call this out because it's separate from the one that's under marketing permissions. 
you may be uh, recall under marketing permissions, you can publish and write and read HubDB entries. So that's a permission, and we've normally given that to people. But now under the account access, you've actually got further permissions about whether they can unpublish, clone, and configure the settings in the table and delete them. So just be aware of that in case you're thinking like, oh, under marketing, I gave them permissions for this, but they can't do certain things. That's under the account permissions. So potentially a little gotcha there, but we haven't put it in gotcha of the week because it's more about, I really like this idea of bringing permissions and granularity to the way that we set up accounts for access. It's getting complex, yes, but necessarily so. And I still think that the permission model that HubSpot use and the way that you can easily tick things on and off is still very intuitive compared to many other products where this stuff gets lost and totally confusing. I actually think the way HubSpot does it is still very simple compared to other tools. Agreed, Craig. And I think this is a a real improvement because I know that as we deal with bigger businesses and we deal with teams that are spread all over the country and we deal with franchises, this is what comes up. It's like, I want to be able to not let those people touch that field. And it's so good to see that, that it's come into play. So well done. All right. Onto our gotcha of the week, Craig. And this is probably not really a gotcha, but a more of a usability issue. And so we were working with a customer so in Australia and the UK, we set our dates and day, month, year. Now in the US, it goes year, month, day. And so they were like, okay, cool. And then I created, uh, we created a form. I'm like, okay, because they had, uh, they were trying to select uh, event dates. So they wanted people to be able to select, this is the date of my event. Now what happened was in the form, when you choose the picker or you see it, it actually goes by year, month, day. So they're like, can we change that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I thought it should be. Anyway, got on to HubSpot support. And a few people have complained about it. And they said, look, what's happening is it's not reading the settings from HubSpot portal. And therefore, it's displaying it like that. Or there's not enough time for that thing to happen. So they're working on something to fix it so that it is better from a usability perspective of if we're expecting a, to see a date in day, month, year, as opposed to year, month, day. And that's appearing on a form. But isn't the issue just the way that it's formatted? So instead of like, you've got a good example here in the show notes where you've got 2020-06-06. Actually, a better example would be if you had 2020-05-06. Is that the 5th of June or is it the 6th of May? It's hard to tell. But if you just change the format to say, 06 May 2020, you know, rather than having that format, wouldn't that just solve it? So it's the display format. You can still tell from the picker, but it's the display format. Correct. Yes, exactly. Anyway, they're they're working on something, but just from a usability perspective, I thought I'd share that with people just in case they're like, why does this not happen? I think that's a very good, yeah, very good example. All right. Marketing tip of the week, Craig, and we're going to talk about B2B content marketing insights. I've had this one on my backlog. I've been wanting to chat about it on the show for a couple of episodes, actually, but we keep pushing it back because other stuff comes in. But this is a report from Convince and Convert. They've called it their B2B content marketing trends to watch in 2020 report. Uh, You know how I often bag out people 
and reports were saying trends for starters and then also trends in 2020. You know, it's kind of clickbaity. So that's why I prefer to, the term insights. However, this is quite a good report. I think it's useful. I quite like Convince and Convert. We've featured them on the show many times. But the report covers a few, well, a ton of useful insights, but we'll just pull a few out. And in particular, that content marketers, uh, B2B content marketers, they tend to be largely uh, top of the funnel focused, which kind of makes sense, but is also an opportunity, I think. And maybe that's aligned with goals. Marketing teams are often uh, KPI'd on leads rather than conversions, which might be a a more bottom of the funnel piece. 84% use paid distribution. I'm sure that's in an inboundy way though, uh, Ian. But interestingly, most marketers, and perhaps this relates to the first term about uh, top of the funnel, but they have metrics for content performance, but very little for ROI measurements. And I hear this a lot. And it's really hard, right? If you're doing content marketing and getting leads, calculating ROI, especially if you don't have the full loop visibility, which often many marketers don't, and especially on very long sales cycle industries, which B2B can be, if it takes a year to convert someone, how do you work out ROI up front in the first month on the campaign can be very hard. I thought that was a very useful insight and something that I'm sure will be the focus of many marketers. We've got to get a much clearer picture in terms of financial ROI on leads. But then there was a good item that you noticed from their blog post. It's actually from 20, uh, it's covered in page 21 of the report. But yeah, do you want to chat about that? Yeah, and what that was, it says most B2B content has promotional aspects and the aim is to get people to take desirable actions. That often means doing business with a company or at least showing a willingness to learn about them. When added about their priorities though, the vast majority of the most successful marketers put their energies into fact checking and delivering highly informative content to their audiences. Okay, so the vast majority of the most successful marketers put their energies into fact checking and quality. I think that's a really useful insight. It's one that really stood out, Craig, and that's why I highlighted it too, because I, I think both you and me, we are both about checking stuff and, and delivering that high quality information to people that we're serving. And we don't want to just take things out of places that have no, let's put it, a good foundation. So this is really encouraging to see that the people that are doing it well are really keen on making sure that they get their facts right. Yeah. I, I would just highlight, I'm pretty sure most marketers don't put their energies into fact checking, but most successful marketers do put their energies. I think it's really important. And as we covered on the show, it might've been last week when we we're chatting about Google's Uh, focus, especially around COVID and crisis-related content. It's all around authority and quality and factfulness of the content. And that's going to relate to all industries, especially people with purchase intent, are very much interested in the quality or the the, uh, reliability of what they're reading from from marketing. So, use that insight well in your approach to content creation. All right, Craig, on to the insight of the week. Okay, I'm going to chat about Shopify. E-commerce, of course, has been... Such a boom industry. (laughs) Yeah, rapidly focused on by many companies at the moment, trying to move to online, uh, especially even with training and other non-physical products. 
a Shopify released this app. It's called the Shop app. Maybe you saw it. Did you actually see this, uh, Ian, when it rolled out? I think it was last week. No. It's actually an app. It's, so Shopify have released an app called Shop. I'll just explain what it does briefly. It has two main functions. You can track orders. And admittedly, this was, they had an app earlier, I think it was called Arrive and there was a tracking, but they've rebranded it. But also you can follow brands. So you can go into the shop app and you can do a search of all the different, and it'll surface every single Shopify app. And there's millions of Shopify powered stores globally, right? So you can follow your brands. uh, So you could follow Allbirds shoes or ants and belts or things like that and it'll have latest deals and a selection of things to promote to you so i was looking at this i was thinking i thought this was really interesting and i can see this as just the tip of the iceberg for shopify once they have a scale well they've got millions of shops which they do now and increasing they have a chance to aggregate or be a layer on top which highlights all of those brands. And of course, they're across many different industries and things like that. So you can see where this is going, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if they release another website. Maybe it's going to be called shop.com or maybe that's, I don't know. I think shop.com's taken. I'm sure that's taken. It's probably a $50 million (laughs) domain purchase if they wanted that. But they become in a sense a little bit of a mini Amazon, right? Because they're across the top of the brands and you dig into uh, shops on the fly. So I see it as a really good idea and I think it differentiates them from say WooCommerce and other tools. Maybe Big Commerce have got similar plans. I'm not that familiar with what they've been doing lately. Anyway, I thought it was a very interesting insight and for marketers, I think we should be really thinking about this. I will say though, I, I love Stratechery by Ben Thompson and so I'm a subscriber and I read his content. He doesn't like the idea. He was very unimpressed with it. So I thought I'd just put that in the show. Really? His yeah, and his thinking, which I totally understand, and I'm and I'm you know, I kind of agree with everything he says, so I'm very nervous about speaking differently to him on this particular case. But he sees Shopify's power as a platform. They have their Shopify delivery network. So they're a merchant service. And so the power they do is they connect merchants seamlessly with all these other delivery partners and things like that. So that's the power of Shopify. Again, something WooCommerce doesn't do, by the way. So he sees that as the power of Shopify, whereas being a layer on top, inserting themselves between consumers and merchants, he sees that as a bad move. And in fact, he sees them kind of competing with merchants in a way to get attention from consumers. Now, I can see that, but... I'm not an expert in this, but when you look at Amazon, they're, they're, they're all across the stack, right? They're right across the top, but they're also across their delivery frameworks and that. So I'm more positive on it than he is. And I this is what I've been waiting for from Instagram. You know how we keep hearing about Instagram e-commerce is going to be coming out and all this? Yes. It's like, well, Facebook has access to so many more providers than Shopify does. Sure, they've got a million or more sites, but that's nothing compared to hundreds of millions of potential sellers. So I agree it's smaller, but I really think Shopify is the future here. And so the takeaway and why I'm mentioning it in the show is because marketers are frantically, I use that word frantically, looking for new avenues amidst the current crisis. And I kind of feel if you're going to be investing marketing thought and attention into where your online outlet is, it's got to be Shopify as number one. I, I just can't... I unless you're heavily invested in WooCommerce in terms of dev features or something else. I just can't see how you would not use Shopify. Anyway, just throwing that out there. What's what's your thoughts, Ian? I think you're on the right path, Craig. And one of the things I have seen recently, because we've helped a lot of people set up stores and 
I guess all of us have been buying stuff online. One thing you realize is that once someone has a Shopify store and they've got that feature enabled where if they recognize that it's already a Shopify customer, like I know when I buy stuff and I put my email, it says, oh, I recognize who you are. Here's the six digit SMS is coming your way pre-fills all your details and in two clicks you're out of there it's it's almost like an amazon experience or better and i just think wow just that one feature is amazing and just the ability to set it up quickly and do things is something that we need to be aware of in terms of the speed to market so again we spoke about speed before this is one of those places where speed is going to become a really key attribute well that's a really good point actually i should have um i realized i I didn't qualify earlier so you need to have shopify payments which is that functionality you're talking about there you need to have that enabled on your store i don't know why anyone wouldn't have that enabled by the way but you need to have that enabled for your brand to appear in the shopify app i think they might have limited it just to us stores at the moment but it's rolling out globally but that's exactly right it takes the friction out and that's part of this app's uh, benefit as well you can just be in the app and buy from and push through from the app seamlessly all right craig on to our throwback of the week now guess what there wasn't much going on a year ago in hubspot so we had stuff very early in may and which we spoke about there was a whole refresh of the campaigns tool which we spoke about in the last episode and there wasn't anything towards till the end or early june so and then it was really interesting i went oh what i'm gonna go to status.hubspot.com and see what was going on in terms of support or in terms of outage of systems and system performance and again they redesigned that as well and i haven't put it in the show notes but there wasn't much. I mean, it's just the usual. You know, you get, there was an interesting thing where I think there was internet service provision happening in Australia so people couldn't access HubSpot at one particular time. I think some parts of analytics didn't work or list didn't get updated. When we're talking about a massive system, we expect a few things, but nothing major. But so it was interesting. It has been a quiet period and maybe, was it earnings calls time recently? Maybe a year ago? Maybe that's why we had a bit of a quiet time. Could be. All right. Resource of the week, Craig, we've got some keyword research tools. Yeah. So just very quickly, because I know we've gone over time, but Scout suggests free keyword research tool. Check that out. Limited, doesn't include search volumes or anything like that. Uh, competitiveness, but it does include a very good list based on Google Autocomplete. And while we're talking about keyword research, there's a great guide from Moz. They also have their own keyword tool, which is very good. They've got a free and a paid offering as well. So details on that in the show notes. Now, Craig, you've got a quote of the week from Kevin Kelly, and I have no idea who Kevin Kelly is. So I'll read the quote. It's being enthusiastic is worth 25 IQ points. I love this. This is from a blog post that he wrote around 68 pieces of advice. He was turning 68. Uh, he's, I think he's one of the founding editors of Wired magazine and yeah, right. quite well-known in terms of yeah technology innovation and uh, change over the years. And he had a post where he just shared all these pieces of advice. Well, real, well worth a read. We've got a link from that in the show notes as well. Excellent. Now, we've got lots of bonus links in the show. And listeners, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, Please, again, connect with us on LinkedIn and tell us that you listen to us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for everyone who has shared our 200th episode. We greatly appreciate that. You can listen to us on Spotify, on YouTube, 
on Apple Podcasts and just share it with somebody that will help them. And we do really appreciate you. Again, in this time when we're all uh, in isolation or slowly getting out of isolation, I want to just put an offer to everybody is please don't be afraid to contact Craig and myself and ask for help. If you need help, we will surely help you. And if we can't, we will surely pass you on to somebody that will. And don't be afraid to ask us. We will be more than happy to help you guys. Well, Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.